Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Ewan. And this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Mary Wenstrom is our guest today. And Mary's a visionary leader, educator, and entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in education and nonprofit organizations. She's the founder and CEO of Pelina Education. Her Pathway to Purpose program creates career-based learning opportunities for hundreds of students across the state of Hawaii. Throughout her career, Mary has created innovative programs and developed strategic partnerships to support experiential learning opportunities for students in the U.S., as well as schools in Asia and Europe. From leading organizations through strategic planning goals, developing a school from the ground up, starting summer school programs for underserved youth, building teams, and coordinating over 700 experiential learning projects in over 30 different countries, Mary has excelled at navigating goal achievement, measuring impact, and improving organizations for all stakeholders. Mary's passion lies in supporting students in finding their purpose, along with building the professional and technical skills that will help them thrive in future careers. Mary earned a master's degree in school leadership from Harvard University, a master's certification in educational research from the University of London, and a Bachelor of Arts in teaching certification from Gustavus Adolphus College. Mary, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to talk and learn from you about how to best transition students from education into the workforce. And so if we can just kind of start with, can you give us an overview of research and some of the findings around like best practices for that? Yeah. So with any research that I've done is you try to be a problem finder first. And the latest research that we had conducted here in Hawaii, we looked at the data that showed that about 90, 91% of public high school, charter school students are graduating high school, but between 50 and 55% are then going off to college or university. And if you're a Pacific Islander, and or Native Hawaiian, then that dropped down to about 33% were going off to college or university. And we know that that meant that a lot of kids were missing out on the data and the research that shows that typically a lot of the higher wage and higher salary jobs are after you have a certificate and or degree. And so we then looked at that and said, how can we shift that needle from 55%? How can we get that up to a higher percentage? And so the last about five years, I've been in various roles, and that's really how the birthplace of Plain and Education came about with this Pathway to Purpose program is how can we get kids tied in with industry professionals, have the ability to practice and refine the skills. It might not mean that if you want to go into computer science, it's just like one scene, what it would be to go into that, what kind of tasks, what kind of roles and responsibilities would you have in that, for example, career path. And then we give kids the opportunities to practice and refine those professional and also technical skills. In the last five years, we've now been hitting the mark of the kids that are in the program. Those students that are graduating, it was 96, 95, 95, 95. And then the last year, 95% were going off to college or university. And the other percentage um, knew exactly what they wanted to do, whether it's a technical school or and or that they wanted to go into a career path that didn't need, per se, a college degree. So that was really where it stemmed from the data and the research that we were looking at. 
again, there was a ton of other data and research along the way that helped us build that program. And so the program, what I was saying in your bio, it creates career-based learning opportunities. Can you kind of clarify that term? I think of internships, but I'm sure I'm oversimplifying that. Yes. You know, we know that internships are linked to getting paid more after graduation. Work-based learning is tied to a non-economic post-graduation success. But what we found was a lot of students that are in the K-12 space, especially in high school, you can't just plop them into an internship. And I think back to when I was in college university was that you kind of, again, got plopped into that internship and then you were just expected to do you didn't know how to start applying and practicing refining the skills that you needed. And so our model, what we have is a industry professional that joins and works with the students once a week for 90 minutes. We also have a education leader, a teacher, because what we found was that the industry professionals were saying, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to, if you will, teach what kids need to know and do, but I can tell them the projects that we're working on. And then the educators were, on the other hand, their problem was that they were saying, well, I don't know how to teach the computer science or this engineering or physics, basically problems or create the solutions that are the real world and authentic and relevant in today's market. So we joined those two people in these sessions, and then we added a third And that is peer mentors. And these are students that have found success and have been able to really practice and refine the skills. And then that's like the guide on the side. I know at college university, we have a lot of teaching assistants and others that are supporting and helping students, but these peer mentors are essential. So in every one of our sessions that we have, there's those three key players or stakeholders that are working with the students. And I think that's the secret sauce that really makes our program that rigorous, relevant, relational program that has helped those students succeed. So Mary, how do you attach the students to the program? How do you marry that together? Do you have a partnership with the public school system or in what ways are you targeting your primary audience and getting them involved? So when we started the organization, it was through during COVID times, during the pandemic, there was in Hawaii, the governor's innovation grant. And we were one of the recipients of that grant. And through that funding, we were able to create the program. And what we ended up doing was created a partnership with the DOE and with the public charter schools. Actually, we have a lot of the private schools that also have. We want to make this accessible for all students. And so that's what it amounted to was we would communicate out to the principals at the various schools, and then they would put this opportunity out to students. And we've now shifted over the last couple of years to going from it being an eight-week intensive program for students to being a semester-long program. Students are also receiving a high school elective credit and a work-based learning credit for their participation in the program, which is good for the kids because then it's already giving them that opportunity to build their portfolios, build their resumes, which we know are essential for kids to get them that, if you will, leg up in the market. Yeah. Seeing that this is kind of a layer on top of their current academic workload and their current schedule, who are your key champions to help engage the kids, encourage the kids to stay involved and drive through that, what was a week now, semester long commitment? Where have you found that partnership and that championship support, if you will? Ultimately, it boils down to the kids. It's not forcing them to be in our program and they are pursuing their passions, their interests. 
or possibilities, I should say, because that's also where you have in a lot of the traditional modes of education. And for example, here's another issue, I think, with public education here in Hawaii, and I know that this is similar in a lot of other states, is kids would take high school elective classes or they wouldn't be able to go into certain high school elective because the class was full or because they didn't have prerequisites. And also we have something called a career in technical education or these academies that are in our public school system. The detriment is that kids have to choose their sophomore, their 10th grade year in high school of what career path that they want to go down. The issue is now they're stuck in that path. And so you get a lot of kids that start taking, again, for example, computer science, and then they realize after one year, they don't want to do this anymore. But if they leave that academy, they can't, basically. They're not a part of it. So they suffer through it, for lack of better words, but then they get to a point where like, well, I don't want to waste my time or energy or money going into post-secondary education in this area. So then they give up. We're really trying to strive to get kids hooked into areas and we tell them it's just as important to figure out what you don't want to do as you do want to do. So it's really the kids that are the drivers and they'll take one semester with one pathway and then go, oh, I like this, but I now want to try a different one. And so it's really the variety that we have. And the other key ingredient are these industry professionals. Gosh, we have some really awesome experts that are working with the kids that make learning fun and engaging and give them that insider, what you would normally get years and years ago if you were doing an apprenticeship or if your parent was in that company, then you'd get that insider information. But the kids are able to get that mentorship and that guidance from those industry professionals as well, which is key ingredients to the success and the the driver of the program. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That insight. I mean, heck, I was coming out of the military and transitioning into the private sector. And that's where I felt the greatest gap is just that insider understanding that knowledge, that relationship that frankly so often leads to you know a lot of our professional opportunities. I wonder how you built the partnership with the public school system coming in as private not-for-profit entity. How did you build that bridge and partner with the public schools in a way that you were demonstrating, hey, we're a value add, not a takeaway or a distraction or trying to remove from what you as a school system are trying to do? Another great question. I think I always try to stand on the shoulder of giants and industry leader, community leader here, Ian Kitajima. He now has his own company, Design Thinking Hawaii. He and I, and then also Jimmy Harris, who was at company Oceanit, both Ian and him were at Oceanit. And it's kind of a mind to market organization. And Jimmy's a MIT and Stanford grad. And I got to work with both individuals in really looking at that design thinking process and looking at how we could tailor and again, it stemmed from just asking a lot of questions. How might we dot, 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 and interviewing tons of principals and hearing them and saying certain phrases where you could almost see or hear the, if you will, visceral reaction of no, they didn't want to, that wouldn't be a benefit to them or the school. So we just really tailored our program to how can we be that value added and never look like a conflict or look like a competition with schools. Because 
ultimately we're not a school. We're just providing these courses and opportunities for kids. The other thing is, is our program really tailors towards, especially the rural and remote and students from Title one schools or low-income backgrounds. And those schools typically don't have a lot of variety of electives or options to choose from. So we were fitting that need by creating our organization to tailor for those kids that wouldn't normally get those opportunities. Ultimately, we're really trying to close that opportunity gap that is in education for so many kids. Yeah. I love the use of design thinking and, you know, you have a problem statement, but then you're not designing the solution in a vacuum. It sounds like you were really curious and partnering with the public school system to say, can we agree on the problem? And then how can we partner with you to address that solution? Yep. And the other is our organization never wants to be the one and only option. It would be amazing if there were several other organizations that are just like us, because there's so many kids that want opportunities like this. And so- The other huge initial getting driving this was just the feedback, the qualitative data that we were getting from the students and from the families when principals and or educators are seeing change in students, in their engagement, in their motivation levels that stream to other classes because that kid that now is in engineering realizes that they need to be in physics and they need higher level math courses, that's when things get fun because the schools are seeing the change in the students as well. For sure. Can you tell us about how many kids you serve and how broad across the state? Yeah. So we're now over 400 students that we're serving. And again, we're more or less a startup. So we've only been around a couple of years, but it's growing to a point where It's awesome because once it's kind of that ripple effect or that rolling effect that more and more students are talking about it. And I know here in Hawaii, the best is just we do honestly very little promotion because it's more of once kids start getting in the program, they're promoting it to other students, other families, principals, teachers are reaching out to more of their students. And we've just been scaling that way. But we most definitely in the future want to reach more. I'm personally based on Oahu and We're getting more and more in the neighbor islands because that's where a huge need is. So that's for the future of our organization to keep growing and developing is as well. Yeah. When you think about just the needs that you have as an organization, where are some of those areas? One thing that I'm learning is, and maybe this is specific to Hawaii, because the other is, you know, down the road, we do want to scale and we want to be on the mainland and, you know, start maybe on the West Coast and move eastward. The thing is, is you really need those key industry professionals. What we found was what schools originally wanted was, okay, well, we'll pay you this amount that was nowhere near what industry professionals were actually making. And they would want the industry professional to come in five days a week for 45 minutes with transportation and with also time when so many industry partners have their own jobs. What we ended up doing was shifting to the after school space and the industry professionals meet with the kids twice a week for 90 minutes. One of the sessions for all the kids, they come together and then go into breakout rooms. It's all virtual. We also do have partnerships. Our ed leaders, even myself, get to be in and we talk about career and how to choose a career, how to write resumes, how to interview, how to create portfolios and a whole slew of other things, how to write college essays. That's one of the sessions and we have for our career sessions. The other is then the industry professionals. We found that it was no way that we could have the industry professionals come in more than a week. 
having any more just got to be too much. And then the other is by being in that after-school space, it means that kids from various high schools, because if one school says, well, well, we want 12 to 1, and then another school says, well, we want 2 to 3, then you just get to be where the industry professional said, are you kidding me? There's no way that we can be going to all these schools, all these various times. We have our own careers, our own jobs. So standing that after school means that the kids are coming from all over. And I think the kids really like it too, because then they get to know students from other high schools, not just their own we have an amazing partnership. There's a musician, Jack Johnson. Kim and Jack Johnson, they've been friends of mine for years and years, and they have one of the most amazing organizations, the Kokua Hawaii Foundation, and they have the Kokua Learning Farm. And both Jack and Kim are, gosh, just the most incredible humans, do so much with environment and sustainability. One of our pathways is with them, and kids go out on Saturdays and get to work in more of that egg tech space. And it's been really, really awesome so far. So we have some of those key partnerships as well, that sites where then students can travel. Well, we try to keep those on at either nights or on weekends because then students can get to those locations. Yeah, that's really incredible. So we have folks from around the country who listen and our audience seems to be getting bigger uh, the last couple of years, especially as we have conversations like this. How could someone listening to this podcast who's fascinated by the work you're doing and wants to contribute in some way, what would be the best avenues for contribution? When you said, what is the need? Going back to that, the funding. When you're in the startup space, but also trying to try new things, do that research and development to see what's working for students. We have had a few foundations that have been really key players in helping us and supporting us. There's people that belong to foundations that are also in that career-based learning space. We'd love to connect, but mainly through our website, which is plinaeducation.org, P-I-L-I-N-A, and then education.org. There's a contact form on there, and that's how several have reached out in the past. It depends on in support if others want to be in that research space to say, you know, here's what's happening in our state and see what the connections are. And we're an organization that always want to be lifelong learners as well. We're always curious. So it could be just connecting with us to hear what's working in your community. Ultimately is how can we set up those communities of success and really get the community, local community engaged. But then also there's so many national organizations that are doing awesome things and even global organizations. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I sit on the board of a not-for-profit for combat veteran and first responder mental health. And I used to always feel sheepish about putting that out there, but I find there are a lot of people that are passionate about the work I do. I know personally within my own family that there would be people passionate about the work you're doing. And so finding ways that they can contribute, even if it's financial, is always hugely needed and appreciated. So I guess I would just wrap up with one final question. I want to respect your time. And I know we're just about at the bottom of the hour. And that's, what's your vision for the organization and just your impact on education in Hawaii in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, what gets me up in the morning is one, just seeing the impacts that we're having and the ones that we can continue to develop and grow the other is, you know, we do want to get to a point where we're scaling and working in other states. All the experiential learning projects that I've done in all various countries, those partnerships and those relations are so key. And I found that being in education, there are so many people that want to make a positive impact 
you know, the research science shows that doing good things for others or for our environment or for basically anyone is that we release those endorphins in our brain. And so I think how can we continue like so many other organizations creating that movement of industry professionals and other amazing experts that are able to give back to the community, give back to education and help develop and grow the future that we want to see. I also heard a quote the other day because sometimes I feel like I'm a patient person, but I realize that I want to scale and I want to go have things happen right away. And a mentor of mine said, you know, Mary, you have to get used to planting seeds of a tree in which shade you'll never be able to sit under. And that ultimately gets me most excited. How can I continue to grow and develop something that maybe I don't get to see the students, their success stories later on, but know that that was a part of that initial story is pretty great. Well, thank you so much. It's been fascinating speaking with you, Mary, and you know, just looking on your website, for those of you who would like to learn more about this organization, it's polinaeducation.org, P-I-L-I-N-A, education.org. Really some first-rate talent, first of all, on your team, including yourself. Some really impressive backgrounds and education and just incredible passion. So thank you so much for your time and best of luck to you and your team in the future. And really looking forward to sharing this with our audience and educating them more on the great work you guys are doing. And I know my brother in particular, who's a public school principal, will be incredibly intrigued to listen to this particular episode. So thank you so much. Tell him to contact me. I will. I would not put it past him. So. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. To order your copy of the book, Refine and Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World and Access Additional Resources, head out to our website at refineandgrow.com. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.